Good morning, everyone. It's great to have you with us here today at First Christian Church. And as we begin 2016, we will turn our eyes to Jesus Christ for every event of life as individuals and as a congregation. And I'll make that statement as I, even, as I begin our comments to time together today. For guests, let me introduce myself. My name is Wayne. I'm part of the pastoral team here. And I'm very glad that you're with us today and that we get to chance uh, a chance to look at Scripture together. We're going to look at the book of 1 Thessalonians. It's about this far through the Bible. I'd invite you to grab a Bible right now. If you don't have one, there's one in the pew rack in front of you. And you can see the page numbers on the screen behind me. As a matter of fact, uh, if you don't own a Bible, please take that home as our gift to you today, please. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is where we're going to read together. And uh, we're going to jump right in. Rather than me tell a story right now, I want to jump right in and have, a, have you read with me 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning at verse 12. You all set? Here we go. Paul the Apostle, leading theologian of the New Testament, the, the time after Jesus' ministry on earth, has this to say to congregations. He said it to the church at Thessalonica. He's saying it to us today. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work and live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strives to do what is, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. And then beginning in verse 23, Paul has, if you will, a benediction over his congregation that he's writing to from afar. And this is the passage of scripture we're going to use for the benediction later on in the service. And we're going to read it out loud together. So I'd invite you to do that with me right now, verses 23 and 24, as a practice run for the end of the service. Would you read it with me, please? May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. So what we're going to do today as we look at this passage of Scripture is um, see if there are some ways in which could apply, it could apply to our lives as a congregation and our lives as individuals. Excuse me. Because um, what, what it really is all about very quickly, if you grab the hold of what's being said there, it's about how people should do life together how they should live in peace, how they should care for one another. There's an understanding, if you look, for example, in verse 14, that part of doing life together would be a call also to say, hey, nobody gets to sit around and just rely on other people to do all the work. There's a work ethic involved. If everybody's engaged in the life of a congregation, there's a very potent statement that's made in verse 17. Did you see it there? Two words, pray continually. And then verse 18 uh, into 19, it says, don't quench the spirit, don't treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. It's like, okay, as life is moving along, um, take a look at how things are going and say, is this good? If it's good, then hold on to it. Is this bad? Then let go of it. It's more or less 
how to have discernment about how to do life. In many ways, you could say that if, if, and we believe it was, this passage of Scripture was written to an individual congregation, it's a good marker for that congregation to, if you will, look in the mirror and say, how are we doing? It's a, it's, it's a mirror passage of saying, well, what do I look like? And for us as a congregation, it's a good passage for us to ask this question. How well is First Christian Church working? Are we being the church that God wants us to be? First Thessalonians 5 right here is a very good evaluation tool. Are we caring for one another? Are we living in peace? Are we seeing everybody engaged? Are we praying continually? Are we taking a hold of the things that are good and rejecting the things that are bad? How are we doing in that? What we do at the beginning of each year is we take that first weekend or the second weekend, depending on how it falls, and we say, what happened in the year previously and what's going to happen in the year ahead? We call it the state of the church. I wish we could come up with a better title for it every year, but we haven't for many years, so we're stuck with the state of the church, and you're stuck with me today. How's that? No, I, I really have got some good things that I want to bring to you in terms of, a little bit different in terms of how we approach a message, but some stuff that's going on in the life of the church that you need to be aware of and that I think reflects this understanding that we need to look in the mirror occasionally as a congregation and see how well are we doing together. Because we are transitioning, if you will, from 2015 into 2016, it's a good moment for us to say, is life good? And where life is good, let's keep doing that. Where life is not right, let's stop doing that. We are aware, for example, that uh, throughout 2015, we saw a whole bunch of new people become part of the life of our church. Just straight up attendance-wise, we grew. We know that attendance uh, through November of 2014, as compared through November, January through November of 2015, we grew. Went from an average attendance in terms of people in the building each weekend of 1,099 in 2014 to 1,250 in 2015. If you, that's kind of like a movie. That's over a long period of time. If you want to know how it worked out on one particular weekend, you could look, for example, at Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve in 2015. Uh, we grew in Christmas Eve. We went from 1,900 people in worship for, on Christmas Eve in 2014 to, believe it or not, we had 2,100 or more people in worship Christmas Eve here last year. So that's good news. Yeah, that is. That's... <laughs> you all need to remember, I've been here for a long time. If you're new to the church, I've been here for uh, this all coming up now, ending 22 years. And I remember first Christmas Eve, we might have had 150 people. So it's changed dramatically in those years. Um, but attendance doesn't really, I mean, I don't, that's not a, the best marker of how a church is doing per se. What's a better marker? A better marker might be, how are people doing in terms of this business, of scripture here, and, and learning to know the things of Christ and saying, hey, I want people to know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, last year, we had 71 people get baptized, pro proclaim publicly. I want people to know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm really glad for that, more so than just more people attending. I'm very glad for the way in which you are an extremely, extremely generous congregation. As a matter of fact, here are some figures for you. In the general fund of last year, I'm not fully done with all the accounting for the year, but you gave $1.9 million to the general fund of the life of our church. That takes care of the light bill, the salaries, that takes care of making certain the carpets are cleaned, and with that, we have heat and cool when we should, and the snow gets plowed and all that sort of stuff. You gave, you designated $1.9 million to that. 
you gave more than half a million dollars to the building. In other words, that takes care of our mortgage and our responsibilities to um, make certain this building has a life that goes on beyond just the present time. One of the things I'm very proud of is that you gave, you said, you designated beyond what, we take general fund monies and we use them for missions monies and outreach, but beyond that you gave more than $360,000 in missions money last year. And that's money that goes, it, it leaves our building totally. It leaves our ministry spaces totally and I want to thank you for that. After some miscellaneous giving, you can see that basically we received 2.9, almost $3 million in income here at First Christian Church. And again, uh, since I've been here a long time, the first year I was in ministry here at First Christian Church, our total income was 172000 172000 And that was a lot of money for us in those days. Uh, it's a lot of money now. Who are we kidding? But it's... There's a lot of money in this congregation. You've been very, very generous. $2.9 million. I just want to thank you for that. Um, I'm stunned. I'm stunned at your generosity, and I want to say thank you. Um, because at present, we know from just the way in which people move through the life of our church, there are about 2,000, a little over 2,000 people that call First Christian Church their church home, and we see them on a very regular basis. And this is what I'm reminded of, in that if you um, look at all of that, not just the money, but the people, resources, in terms of how we, how we do this, how we make certain that we are holding people in highest regard, are we caring, are we loving, are we all working together? If you take all that into account of some 2,000 people, I'd have to say that our congregation has graciously received much from God, including you. Thank you. But I would also say to us as a congregation that beyond the money, and more so when it comes to people, we have received much, and consequently, Scripture says, to whom much is given, much is expected. God not only has given us much, but with those added resources of not just dollars, but people and the building and everything, we have greater responsibility to our community and to this world. Regarding the building, we, uh, as we grew in numbers uh, over the last few years, you know that we had to add space, and so we added a ton of space to the um, children's ministry areas. And so we have a lot of children engaged in the life and ministry of our church. We have up to 150 kids in the nursery every weekend. Aren't you glad you're not responsible for that? Some of you are saying that. I'm very glad we have people who love to take on that challenge. We have up to 150 children involved in our, in our elementary program each weekend, and the same number in the teenagers uh, area. And so we've had to grow that space for those kids, and I want to say thank you for that. I want to say thank you for being a congregation that this past year, beyond changing the children's ministry space areas, but also changing our worship practices, it was hard. It was very hard to say we as a congregation, in order to meet the needs of the future, we're going to have to say we can't keep meeting the way we're meeting and that we're going to have to change. It was a year ago at this weekend that I said 20, uh, 2015 was going to be a year in which we embraced change. Do you remember that action? We embraced change. Well, congratulations. We made, the, I would, in what my opinion is the most difficult, or the, maybe that's not the right language, the most challenging change that we as a congregation have made in the more than 20 years that I've been here, namely going to multi-venue. 
And you pulled it off with great aplomb, and I want to thank you for that. I want to thank the musicians and the worship arts team and the choir and how, I mean, think about this. We went from a group that's up here each weekend to now having a group up here and a group in another room. The tech team went from being four people a weekend to 12 to 18 people a weekend. And we learned how to manage cameras and screens and video and all that sort of stuff. And I just want to say thank you for embracing all of that and working it out. Uh, we've managed to pull that off. But that's not really the story of our church either, is it? See, when, when, when preachers get together, and we do that, just like you do if you're an accountant, you hang out with other accountants from time to time, or if you work in as a teacher or whatever you do, you hang out with peers, and we do that in, in ministry. And uh, often as you get in those ministry settings, preachers have conversations about the ABCs of ministry. And you go, what are the ABCs of ministry? Well, I'll tell you straight up, it's attendance, buildings, and cash. ABCs, kind of what I just talked about. Our attendance, our building, and our cash. But can I tell you, while preachers might get together and talk about those to kind of, if you will, compare and learn from one another, attendance, buildings, and cash, the ABCs of ministry don't make up a ministry. And they are certainly not the best markers of the life and ministry of a congregation. What's far more important than the ABCs of ministry as defined by preachers, what's far more important are the stories of the people who are in the lives of our churches. And I would like to spend some time with you today dealing with that more, far more importantly and with more time than just the ABCs. I want to tell you some stories of how your ministry and your care and your generosity and your prayers are making a difference in this community and around the world. For example, you know that for a number of years we've been working down in the community and the neighborhood immediately south of DMH. It started with us, frankly, taking over programming for the park district in the park right there for a number of years, and then we went further south from there. And uh, a number of years ago, well, probably about 18 months ago now, you provided us with a lot of money, about $100,000 or so, to say, go do some ministry down there. Can you, can you develop a ministry center down there? And so uh, we bought a house down there this past year. Uh, we waited and waited. We had different ones come available, and we waited for the right one, and we bought a house. It's 110 years old. It's going to be a ministry center that we're going to use on your behalf. You're going to get involved in this in the, uh, in the block area down there. And... Uh, we started by getting a lot of you engaged in cleaning up the land around it. We have property around it as well, some five or six lots around it, and we had to clean all that. We had to literally tear a lot of stuff out of the house. Here's a photo of what the house looks like inside at the present time. It's pretty well, as you can tell, back to bare bones. Here's what's going to happen in the coming year. Uh, we've got teams of people who are going in there and going to put wiring in and uh, really update the house, 110 years old. There's some lovely woodwork in the house that we're keeping, but apart from that, there's going to be new sheetrock that go up in the walls. And then the main floor of that house is going to be our ministry center where we can do classes and work with people in the neighborhood there and care for them. But here's something that's really unique. On the second floor of the house where the bedrooms are, which we've torn out and we're going to put new bedrooms and a bathroom up there as well as one on the main floor, Pastor BJ and his wife Mary and their three little girls are going to move and live into that house and live in the upstairs portion as missionaries in residence, pastors in residence in that community, in that neighborhood. And they're going to live on the second floor and the main floor is going to be for the community. And I would invite you to prayerfully watch that, prayerfully get engaged. We're going to need, if, you, if you're good at mudding, 
sheetrock, we probably hear, need to hear from you. If you're good at electrical, we probably need to hear from you. If you're good at painting or whatever, we need to hear from you because we want to pull that all together and get them moved in by the summer. And so I want to thank you for um, making that story continue to grow. But it's not only about what's happening in that neighborhood down there, but in other places. Like, for example, in the lives of young people in our community. For example, here's a photo of 43 students that are in Atlanta right now. 43 college students from Richland and Millican University that are engaged in the life of our church, many of them from out of town. They're down there with Pastor Josh. You can see him on the far left. This is a picture that was taken yesterday in Atlanta. They're gathering with 15,000 other college students from around the country to worship God and declare their, their, their praise to him today. And uh, they get home later this week. And I want to thank you for making that possible through your generosity and through your prayers and for your constant willingness to say, what's it going to take for us to reach the next generation that's called First Christian Church? Or take another look at a different photo of the next generation of First Christian Church. These are the teenagers through um, the junior group, um, some seniors as well, but beginning 13 years of age who went on a mission trip together to Cincinnati this past year. There's 155 of them. Aren't you glad you weren't responsible for their meals while they were down there? (laughs) Think about that. That's a medium-sized church on the road together, involved in going down to the inner city of Cincinnati and helping out the people there and saying, can we put a new roof on your house? Can we paint your house? Can we clean up your yard and your garden? We've been doing this for a number of years. It is not only life-transforming for the people of Cincinnati, but if you talk to any of those kids, it is the, the highlight of their lives every year. They say, hey, I'll gladly give a week of my vacation and go and help other people. That's a great story. I want to thank you for the stories that are being written and being told right now, this week, right today at DMH. Did you know that First Christian Church, we are responsible for all the chaplaincy work that occurs in that hospital. When I say all the chaplaincy work, I'm not talking about just for our congregation when we have patients there. I'm talking about for every patient and every employee there. All the chaplains at DMH are connected to First Christian Church. They're either employees or volunteers of our congregation. And we are engaged in the lives of some 2,000 employees and 400 patients a day or more. But beyond that, that went, that's gone so well. When, when we entered into this arrangement with DMH a few years ago, the, community kind of, the medical community kind of looked on and they wondered how that was going to do, how that was going to go. And you support that. You make that happen. And it's gone so well that we now have 24-7 coverage of chaplaincy work in the hospital. When, the, when an emergency occurs at 1 o'clock in the morning, there's someone there ready to go. What's really cool, though, is the medical community here in the city has watched that take place, and we were approached this past year by Crossings Healthcare. That's the uh, clinic that serves uh, the neighborhood and the whole city, for that matter. It's a brand-new clinic. Maybe you saw it. It used to be called the Chick Clinic, but now it's called Crossings. Their brand-new building is as you come north on 51, coming out of downtown. You come over the viaduct. You've seen that building off to the right. They used to have 12,000 patients a year. They now have 20,000 patients a year. And they recently came to us as they moved into the building. They said, hey, you're supplying chaplaincy work to the hospital. Would you consider supplying chaplains to our building? We think that would be a needed and an added resource for us. And here's what they did. We said, yes, we'll do that. We have three, we have three employees who work there on your behalf every day. And um, they've changed the profile for the 20,000 patients that they see every year. They've changed the profile for how those uh, medical exams finish. The physicians, at the end of the exam, have language that goes something to this effect. 
I want to thank you for being here at Crossings Healthcare, but beyond the medical care, we have, we have mental health professionals and social workers here. Do you need any help like that? Are you safe at the house? Secondly, we have chaplains here in the building who'd be willing to come and pray with you about the needs of your life. Would you like somebody to come and pray with you? Did you know, folks, First Christian Church, we are the congregation that's supplying that and, and bringing that ministry to bear in the 20,000 people who are in that clinic every year, and I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for the Arts Academy within the life of our church. More than 100 students, young people, who are learning how to, how to, um, how to grow in, in all kinds of arts. We've got a piano lab where they learn. We have more than 50 kids taking piano. We have a culinary institute where they're learning how to cook. We have a dance, a dance classes. We have guitar classes. We have drum classes. We have video, people learning how to do video. With this, here's the idea, that if we could teach people the arts when they're little... As they leave Decatur, maybe go to college somewhere else or end up in vocations that take them out of our city, congregations around the country that are struggling to find musicians or struggling to find technical people or struggling to find people who are excelling in the arts, we can bless those congregations 10, 15 years from now. And I want to thank you for supporting that and the staff members who make that happen. I want to thank you for 10 years of work, seriously, 10 years of work at Parsons School across the street. Great stuff that's going on there. And for those of you who are from Parsons that now attend our church, thanks for hanging out with us. We're very glad you're here, teachers and kids and families. I wish you could be here, guys, on uh, Tuesday and Thursday nights when the kids from Parsons, uh, in the afternoons, pardon me, when they show up. Or once, once every six weeks when we have a family night for all of the Parsons families. And they come and we get to spend time with them and we'll have 150 to 200 kids and adults in the activity center having dinner together. Sometimes for some of them, for some of them, sadly, it's the only time they ever have dinner together. Thank you for making that possible. Here's what I'm aware of, guys. As our ministry continues to impact this city and expand, and as there are more needs that we continue to see, then if we've been given all this stuff and all these opportunities, then much is expected of us from God. And in order for us to meet all those needs, it's not about money, it's not about attendance, it's not about buildings. It's about our willingness to seek God, to hear the stories, and then to pray for those stories. I'm aware that our city is a city that is in deep need. We keep talking about how we want to see the image of God in the people of our community. We want the people of our community to know that they are made in the image of God. They're not the scum of the earth in any way. No, not at all. They are people who are made in God's image, and can we help them? And to that end, I'm aware that there are all sorts of needs in the life of our church and in our community. People have needs that sometimes they're afraid to voice, and other times they do voice them. And so as we uh, step into the new year of preaching schedule starting next weekend, we're going to start the year by inviting you to be people of prayer, inviting you to be an individual of prayer, and inviting the congregation to be a congregation of prayer this way. If I was to catalog the ways in which people come to me and say, hey, pastor, will you pray about this? There are five areas of prayer needs that those prayers could usually be um, discovered in. And so we're going to preach a series called Common Threads that looks at those five areas. Relationships is going to be found in Common Threads. And health, direction. People want to know, how do I decide when it's time to change my job, or I want to get married, or we're thinking about buying a house, those sorts of questions. Spirituality, I want to know Jesus to a greater degree, and finances. And so throughout the next five weeks, we're going to be praying about those matters, and you're going to leave each week with a tool in your hand, not just mentally, but something physical in your hand that will help you grow in that. And I want to just leave that as a teaser for you. 
Be prepared for that, okay? One of the things we want to do with that is if you're interested and you'd like to learn how to do that in the context of with other people as well and maybe put some of those prayers and some of those have put some, well, some arms around it. We're going to test drive some new small groups and if you'd like to know more about how to get involved in a group that would talk about those matters, you can see something in your program today, a piece of paper that says common threads if you'd like to get engaged in that. We've already heard from a number today and if you'd like to be part of that, we'd invite you to do that. Because here's what I want you to hear, ladies and gentlemen. To whom much is given, much is expected. We've been given a ton of stuff. We really have. I've got to say that. I'm quite aware that where we are in this community is in terms of our community profile and the resources we have. God has graciously given us much, and we must respond by being people who are good stewards of all that he has given us. And the first place we're going to do that is in prayer. I'm inviting you to do that. And uh, I wonder if I could uh, show you this, that in a more visible way, in a way that, frankly, is a little surprising to me. Knowing that we were going to spend some time in prayer in 2016, particularly the beginning, and just the way in which things were moving along, um, at Christmas Eve, uh, we invited people to list some areas of which they would like to, the church to pray for them. And we asked them, to, in light of the scrolls that you see around the building that we used for um, decorations for the Christmas season, we invited to take ask people to take these little pieces of paper that would look like a scroll and roll them up. And honestly, guys, I thought we'd end up with maybe 100, 200 responses. I'm absolutely astounded at the number of people who responded. I don't, we've not counted these yet. But this isn't just hundreds. This is thousands of stories. Because you can dig in here. This is asking for healing for two people in particular. It's not, each scroll doesn't represent one need. Some of them have four or five. Here's one, two, three, four prayer requests on there. We had two, more than... 2,100 people participate in the Christmas Eve services. These are thousands of stories, thousands of places where people are asking God to impact their lives. <laughs> it's never about attendance. It's never about buildings and cash. It's always about the lives of people and the needs that they want to bring before God. And to that end, I invite you to be a congregation of prayer in 2016 because our increased exposure, if you will, not only, knows, not only means that more people know about us, but it also means that the evil one knows of us to a greater degree. And so I'm frankly quite concerned about this area, and that is, how are we going to handle spiritual warfare in the coming year? First Thessalonians says to don't quench the spirit and treat, don't treat prophecies with contempt, but be careful that you test everything. And I would say if there's any discernment that I would have, that we need to be people who are working hard to continue to discern, to discern on a regular basis and then to work hard. And here's what I know. We now have four services a weekend with anywhere from 1,200 to 1,500 people showing up. We have a group of people that worship on Thursday nights that aren't usually here on, on the weekends. And the blessings have started a biker church. And it's a great event of 40 to 60 people worshiping God. That's really cool stuff. Congratulations to you guys. I mean, you add to it. 
we, we've gone from, multi, from this space to a multi-venue where we're having worship in two spaces. The elders have committed that in the coming year, in the first few months of the year, we're going to pray about specifically how do we then, what do we do next? Because we are this time really out of space. We don't have any more space on Sunday mornings. So what do we do if we continue to grow? Do we go to Sunday nights? Do we go to another site? Do we build a new building? We've got a team that's looking at a, bu- a new auditorium. And uh, we're leaning into Bryden Carnahan, who's led three of the last four building programs we've done. We're leading into his trusted leadership. And maybe it's both a new space and a new auditorium. There's lots for us to figure out in the days ahead, given the, re- given the resources that we have. And again, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about the lives of the people that we are responsible to and for. Given all of that, we need to pray. I want to be certain that what it says in verse 18, to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I want to give thanks for all that God's done for us. I don't want to quench the spirit. I don't want to treat prophecies with contempt, but I want to test it all. And I'm inviting you to do that prayerfully, to hold onto what is good and reject every kind of evil. How can you help in that? Well, it says in verse 17 of that passage of scripture, got it open there? What does it say? Two words, pray continually. We've been trying that, some of us. We've had a a test project on this over the last few weeks. Again, going back to my concern that, um, man, all these, frankly, people, are we doing it right? Are we caring? Are we, are we responding properly? And so um, I asked the elders and the staff to put together a group that prays during every worship service. And we've been doing that for, since November. As you are here right now, there's a group upstairs praying for you right now. Did you know that? You probably didn't because we've been trying to keep this a little bit on the quiet and figure out how to do it. But now today we're going to say, it doesn't need to be on the quiet anymore. If we're going to be the church that God calls us to be and if worship is going to be what it should be and if we're going to see people's lives changed in these settings, then I'm inviting you to be a person who prays Right now, there's a team upstairs that's praying right now. And in your bulletin today, in your program, you can see there on, in the tear-off there, would you take a look at that? There's an invitation to get involved in that. I'd invite you to step into that. Because here's what I'm convinced. I'm convinced that as we look in the rearview mirror, we can see what all the really cool things that God has done. But to me, that's an indication of the cool things God is going to do. For example, we said a number of years ago, we need to look at perhaps working in a nation that's not as far away as Central Asia, where the Uramovs work, or in Kenya, where it's hard to get there, but is there a place closer? And we said, well, let's take a look at Cuba. And you sent me on some discovery trips down there. And then this past year, we had 38 young people and adults down there. Here's a photo of them in Cuba. And what's great to me about this is this really came to our mind as leaders some four or five years ago saying we should be on the cutting edge of what happens in Cuba because someday, sometime soon, Cuba's going to open up. And we were there. We were there just a few weeks after it was announced that Cuba and the U.S. were going to normalize relations. We were there on the Monday that the, incidentally, on the Monday that the uh, embassy opened. I am just blown, by, blown away by that. We, can, we will continue to reach into this congregation. And um, I just want to say this before I close today. Um, the first weekend of each year is very powerful and poignant to Leslie and me as we think about our work and life here in Decatur. Because we rolled into Decatur January 1, 1994. And uh, this past weekend, 
uh, last week, we completed 22 years of ministry here at First Christian Church. And this weekend marks uh, the 23rd year, uh, the beginning of the 23rd year that I've been the pastor of this church. And I want to I say sincerely from the depths of my soul, thank you for doing life with me for 22 years. And I'm looking forward to the 23rd year to see what God does because it's not about attendance, buildings, or cash. It's about us caring for one another, loving one another, holding each other, encouraging one another, and make certain that we encourage the disheartened, help the weak, and we're patient with everyone and that we pray continually. So to that end, let me tell you one final story, if I may. In the year 2015, in the year of our Lord, 2015, how's that? I like that. I should have used that in the other services as well. In 2015, we saw um, many babies born into the life of our church, and we saw 22 of them get dedicated. And here's a photo of those 22 children and their families on those dedication moments. In the fall, as I was thinking about all that, it occurred to me that I, I knew of a few stories in the life of our church where uh, there were couples who were having difficulty having a baby. And they'd approached me and I'd prayed with them and everything. And so I said to you, hey, if you'd like to have prayer about that, just write that on a piece of paper and I'll make that as part of my daily prayer initiative each day. And um, I expected to get back six or seven pieces of paper. That didn't happen. I got emails and cards from 62 families asking God to give them a baby soon. Some of them are wannabe grandmas and grandpas. Some of them are wannabe aunts and uncles who say my niece is having trouble having a child. Not all of them are in our church. The majority of them are. And uh, I'm glad I'm not the one working in the nursery come September. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. I don't, well, I sort of do, but... <laughs> These are the cards that have been sitting on my desk. I haven't had them quite wrapped up like this, but for the last couple months. These are the stories of the lives of families that are in need and saying, for some reason or other, children haven't arrived in our home in the way in which we expect it, or in the home of our kids, or nieces and nephews, whatever. This is the story of our future church. This is the story of our church. Not the fact that we paid all the bills. I'm glad we paid all the bills. But that's not the story of our church. The story of our church is that there are people in this community that's called First Christian Church. There are people in the community called Decatur. There are people in the community called Cuba and so forth and so on who are in need. Let us be people who step into that with open arms and with great prayer and discernment from the Lord. And to that end, I'm inviting you to pray with me right now. Lord God in heaven, for this congregation, I thank you. And I pray, Lord, that you would graciously hold us accountable to all you've given us throughout the year 2016. We've got a ton of stuff, God. We have a huge building. has the potential to become larger. We have a significantly sized congregation that has the potential to become larger. 
But beyond that, Lord, we have a significantly um, big vision for this community. Lord, help us to be responsible and accountable to that. And Lord, for the way in which you continue to, well, frankly, overwhelm us with your great goodness, we thank you. And Lord, I thank you for the patience, the vision, the uh, willingness of our congregation to take on all that you've given us and all that you call us to in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.